We are in a summer series in which we are going to be looking at the book of Joshua. Now, the best way to be prepared for this is to take your Bibles this week and read through the book of Joshua. When you're done with it, if you'd like to know what to do next, go back and reread it. As we read these biblical stories, we become more familiar with them, and we start seeing how this timeless word speaks to us today and has an impact on our lives. If you have your Bibles or a Bible app with you this morning, I do ask you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. We are going to always give you the full text that we looked at this week, but in particular, we're just going to be looking at the first eight verses. Since we're starting this new book, I'd like us to hear the text, at least these first eight verses read, before we come back and see what God has to say to us out of this passage. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, now arise, go over this Jordan, you and all your people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you, you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant, that he commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. As we read those first verses in the the book of Joshua, we discover in the Old Testament that a new saga begins. Life is starting afresh. Something new is on the horizon. In fact, that's why I chose the book of, of Joshua over the summer. Because in our lives, there are times when we just need to be able to embrace the new thing that God is doing. Amen? Let me say that again. There are times in our life when we need to embrace the new thing that God is doing. Amen? Amen. I don't know if any of you noticed, but we've been in a thing called a pandemic since a year ago, January, a year ago probably March. But a year ago, January, we all thought kind of life was normal. We had started 2020 with our regular plans of everything just the way that we thought life was going to be. We had our plans for our families, for our church, for businesses, and we thought everything was going to be going a particular way. We even had creative ways of looking at the year ahead. Then the pandemic hit. When it hit, one of the first questions I had is, how will we as a church manage? How will I as a pastor lead through this time? Then I started hearing about things that were going to become necessary. I was told about circles on the floor. Remember those circles on the floor? It's not very long ago, was it? They all said six feet apart. And arrows, we were going to have to get arrows. Where were we even going to get them from, I wondered. And masks, everybody was going to be wearing masks. And I started thinking, well, this is only going to last for a few months, but we need to be able to adapt. Well, it lasted a few more than a few months. And then they told us no singing. They started telling us about a choir that 
a huge virus had spread through and that we were going to have to be very careful with how we were doing singing. And I started thinking, this is getting pretty close to home for a church. And then we were told about capacity limits, not only in our building, but in other buildings that we would go to. And I started noticing how businesses were adapting. And so what we did is we put together a transition team here in our church. First, Pastor David led the transition team, and then the transition went so long, we thought we were just transitioning in and out of something quickly that we actually changed chairs of our transition team. And then we put Megan Figlioli, our children's ministry director, in charge of the transition team for a while. My head started spinning. We were in wilderness, uncharted territory, something that I couldn't fathom and couldn't imagine. Now, I realize there are other times in our life that we go through that, but when it is smack dab right in front of us, it can be quite disconcerting for any of us. Because of the fact that we transitioned through that time, there are now new opportunities, because that's what happens. You have a normal experience, something disrupts us, we go through these times of disruption, and now there's new opportunities. And so now we as a church are in a new place, and in fact all of us are in a new place. Here in our church we have something I'd never even thought of before. We have a Zoom room. It was formerly called conference room number two. We also have a new online congregation. Even as I am sharing this message now, there are people who won't physically be here in worship, and they're in other parts of the country, and they tune in, and they're part of our church. I even have pastoral visits that I'm scheduling this summer quite a ways away to see people who physically will not be here as part of our congregation but are still part of Faith Community Church. We also have two new services. We have a lawn chair church. Nobody had ever thought about that before. And we have a traditional Saturday service all born out of the disruption that we had and now the new opportunities that we've seen, how we need to adapt as a church. Also, I went back to school. I wasn't planning on going back to school, but I'm in the midst of working on a doctor of ministry, not here in Massachusetts, not something that's local, but something's down in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky, all because I discovered that a seminary had an amazing online program and they were reaching out to pastors to let us know about it. And there was something that fit into my schedule and worked well because now it's completely online. So I enrolled in a doctor ministry program that I've been working with this last year. And my son David is also in a master's degree at the same school. And Pastor Josie is working on a master's in the same school. Are we hearing what's going on here? We have life. It goes on the way we think it should go with all of our expectations. We start getting an interruption, a time of wilderness, a time of things being disconcerting for us, and it provides us with new opportunities. Yesterday was Juneteenth. Five years ago, if I would have asked people about that, I bet people would not have known. But now we know that that also is a remarkable time that we celebrate in American history when the slavery was finally completely abolished everywhere in the United States a time of transition and change and new opportunities. Things that certainly didn't get solved uh, 150 years ago, but certainly a transition and a movement in the right direction and new opportunities. And so we celebrate a new national holiday. Well, the same thing is true as we look at the nation of Israel. The background is that Israel was, and the, is, the children of Israel were in 
Egypt for 200 years. That's quite a time to get settled. Think about that, 200 years. Sometimes we read those stories and we almost think because we're reading it in the Bible that it's a short period of time. But that's quite a long period of time that they settled in a land. They at first got comfortable there and then they became slaves in Egypt. Only to have Moses come along who was very powerful in the Egyptian government and he was able to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. Now, you may know him by his other name, Charlton Heston, if you watch the Old Ten Commandments, which I always advise people to do because it does a wonderful job of telling that story. But here you have Charlton Heston or Moses, whichever you prefer, Moses leading the children of Israel for 40 years in wilderness. Nothing settled, literally going around in circles, but again, people start getting comfortable with being in a wilderness time, and we start thinking it's permanent. And I think that the children of Israel started to think that was permanent, and that's how life was going to be, because when they had the opportunity to go into Palestine and to set up their home, they decided that they weren't prepared, and we talked about that last week. But now, now something was different. Now it was an opportunity to go into the place where they were going to establish their home, where they were going to build families, where they were going to build communities, where they were going to be able to practice their faith. Life went from normal, normal in Egypt, to a time of disruption, wilderness, to new opportunities. That's really what happens in our life. The problem with it, it all sounds nice when you talk about it sort of in theory, but we don't like the change. We get comfortable with how life is. We start thinking that it's okay, I've got it all figured out, and then change starts to happen and people get uncomfortable. In fact, some people literally hate the word change. We even have a phrase for it that I can guarantee you, you will know what it is. You'll have to fill in the blank here. No one blanks change. No one, no one likes change. We wouldn't be able to say that if we like change. Now, we like to say, oh, that's everybody else. They don't like change out there. No, we don't like change. It becomes a disruption in our life. It becomes life different than how we want it to go. But if you think about it, spiritual growth is change. If you're going to grow spiritually, that means you're going to change. You can't grow and have everything stay the same. So the very process of God working in our lives is to bring about change. And that's why our text is God speaking to Joshua, telling Joshua how to embrace the change that's going to be taking place and how to lead the change for these people, the people of Israel. What Joshua learns is the same thing that we need to learn. Because change is going to happen in our lives. We're not going to be able to go back to Egypt. We're not going to be able to go back and establish life how it was before ever in our life. It's a constant process, not just things like the pandemic. It can be a loss of a life in our family. It can be a loss of a job. It can be turmoil at home. It can be new opportunities. It can be a new marriage. It, all sorts of things happen in our life that disrupt things that we wish that we could go back to and we can't go back to. And in the process of it, we have to learn to deal with change and to deal with it God's way. And it begins with learning to be honest. 
to tell the truth about the situation. Which is why, in our text, verse 2, we hear these words. Moses, my servant, is dead. That's pretty permanent. Moses has passed away. The great leader of the children of Israel, who they got comfortable with for 40 years, is just not there anymore. It almost reminds me of the great Christmas story, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. He tells the story, he begins with what? Marley is dead. Then he repeats it, Marley is dead. He says, in order to understand everything that's going to happen in the story, we need to establish something happened and we're on the other side of it. Well, that's where we get when we enter the book of Joshua. Moses, their leader, is not there anymore. People had learned to love Moses and trust him. Moses was humble. He was a guy who, because of his humility, people didn't see him as lording it over them, and they found him approachable. He was also gifted. He was an amazing man, and when you look at the accomplishments of Moses, you can start to see why the children of Israel liked to follow him for these 40 years. It was Moses who gives us the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. We call it also the Torah. It was Moses who gave the law. Not only did he receive the Ten Commandments, but all the laws and the rules and the regulations for ancient Israel that were put together so that they could have an established government and have an established religion and know how to operate, he writes them. Pretty gifted person here. And then the Bible tells us that he was a person who listened to wise counsel. If he didn't know how to make a decision, he didn't just wing it on himself. He'd go and talk to someone else and get good advice. And then finally, he developed great leaders. Not only was he a good leader, he imparted his wisdom in others, and he was able to set up the 12 tribes of Israel in such a way that they were able to be separate groups of people who are then going to be able to govern different areas. So think of it this way. Think of one person coming up with the idea of the United States of America, setting up all the different states, writing all the laws and all the Constitution, being humble, being able to be corrected, being able to lead and guide. And this was the person that they'd grown comfortable working with for 40 years, and now he was gone. You think people wanted to go back? Like... Where's Moses? How's Moses going to lead us through this? Sort of reminds me of a time in Boston Celtics history where the Celtics were having one of the worst years they've ever had. And Rick Pitino was a coach. And after a horrible loss that they had where the other team hits a last-second shot and, and their record is like 6-30 and 30 or something, and they called the press conference, and Rick Pitino, the coach at the time says these words, Larry Bird is not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale is not walking through that door. Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. He was correct. No matter what people wanted and no matter how many fans had become comfortable with the big three and all of the things that had happened in the 1980s and the beloved Celtics, that team was gone and Dennis Johnson was not coming back on the court. And there's times in life when we have got to be honest and we have got to be able to recognize that things are different and God still has amazing work for us to do once we can come to terms with the fact that life is how it is. 
A good friend of mine used to say that when we live with one foot in the past, wishing we had things back, or feeling bad about a decision we made, or thinking if I could only have a do-over that we don't get, and one foot in the future, usually obsessing over something that may or may not happen, or worrying about something that's out there, we miss today. We miss what's right in front of us. And far too often Christians do that, and that's exactly what God wanted Joshua to hear if he was going to lead these people, and they were going to establish their, their communities, they were going to establish their religion, they were going to establish their families, they were going to have a permanent settlement, they needed to acknowledge the fact that the leader they had was not there, and they needed to be honest. One of my favorite practical theologians, I call him a practical theologian because he doesn't really give you anything about deep theology, but he's a wonderful little character who puts it into practice, is Rafiki from The Lion King. Rafiki is the old baboon. And there's that point where Simba is out in the desert and he's, his father's died and he's with Pomon and Timba. Is that the... Tim? Yeah, and little Simba's out there. And he's now wishing he could go back and undo something from his past, and he's full of regrets. And as he's out there, Rafiki, the old baboon, comes and approaches him and says, you have important work to do today. You need to go back to Pride Rock. You need to lead the people. And Simba says, I can't. I can't face my past. I can't face the things that are behind me. I, I, I no, no, that, that's before. And the old baboon takes a stick and he whacks a lion cub over the head, and the lion cub goes, Simba goes, what did you do that for? And he goes, what difference it makes? It's only in the past. And then he picks up the stick, and he whacks it at him again, and the second time, little Simba moves his head back, and Rafiki said, ah, you can't change the past, but you can learn from it. What God is helping the children of Israel understand as Joshua comes to be their new leader is you can't change the past. You're in, you're in Egypt for 200 years. You wandered for 40 years. People who were leaders are not here anymore. Moses himself is not going to be guiding you. You can learn from that. You can have wonderful experiences. You can remember what Moses taught you. You can learn from the mistakes that people made. But you can't change it, and you can't go back to it. But what we can do is we can embrace today. So much of Scripture is about embracing today and learning to live today. Our life is about the opportunities that God gives to you and to me today in the 24 hours that we're living in. Also in verse 2 of our text, God says to Joshua these words, Therefore, now arise, go. Therefore, arise, now arise and go. Yes, the Israelites wanted to go back, and they couldn't. God says, therefore, therefore, because you can't go back. Because Moses is dead, and there's nothing you can do about that. Therefore, now, today, that's a reference to the 24 hours that they are living in. Now, today, arise, get up. Don't, don't sit back. Don't bemoan the past. Don't sit and obsess and worry about the future. Now, arise up and go and do what God has you to do today. They were not going to that day take over their new homeland. They had, were not that day going to establish their temple. They needed to do what God had for them to do that day. Today, which is the same that we do in our lives. Every day is about learning to embrace 
the very opportunities that God has given to you and to me in the 24 hours in which we live. It may mean that we need to call somebody up and have a conversation with them and ask for forgiveness. It may mean that we need to embrace a new opportunity that's come our way. It may mean that we need to study our scriptures more or share Christ's love with someone else or volunteer. You know in your life what the things are that God is leading and guiding you in this 24 hours. The text just reminds us that we need to therefore get up and go do that and arise and not be obsessing about something else. Sorry, Wayne and Linda, I did know you guys were going to be here today. You've already been used in two other sermons this weekend, plus the one we had at your message. Wayne and Linda, for their service yesterday, chose as a biblical text Psalm 39, verse 4. O Lord, make me know my end and what the measure of my days are. You have made my days a few hand breaths. Do you hear what David's saying in that psalm? The great King David, who made all kinds of mistakes in his life and at the same time came to the pinnacle of power, had wonderful experiences and awful experiences, had to let go of things that he had done in the past and had to embrace the fact that even with his failures and his humanness, God had things for him to do every single day, was able to write in a poem, basically, life is short. It's a few hand breaths. We can't waste today. We can't sit around and give up the opportunity of what God has given to us today. It's all we have. For every single day that's given to you and to me as a gift is for us to embrace it and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And how can I get beyond the stuff that is bogging me down or the obsessive thoughts I have about something in the future and look at what's right in front of us. A number of years ago, my wife Regina was working for a company when they lost their boss. Unfortunately, he was very popular and everybody liked him and he, he went somewhere else. And do you know what happens when a very popular boss leaves and somebody new comes in? Nobody likes the new boss. And so all of the stuff that was going around the company she was working in was all about how this new person couldn't compare to this old person. And she came to me for advice. And she said, do you have any advice for me? And I said, actually, I do. I said, why don't you go talk to the new boss and just walk in and say, you know, be honest. I like the, the guy who was here before. But I'm really happy that you're our new boss. And then say, my husband is a pastor. And he's had to go in to a church first time, and he's had it more than once in his life, and he has to follow someone else, and everybody compares him to who was there before, and they have all the thoughts about that, and all he's looking for is just an opportunity to do his best every single day. And I want you to know that I'm glad you're here. I'll do anything you want, and I just want you to know I'm here for you. They became really good friends. She was able to embrace it and have a wonderful time with that person as her boss. Years later, that person came down with cancer and had a terminal illness and ended up dying. And my wife continued to stay really good friends with that new person because she had learned to embrace the day. The opportunity was before her. She was not going to waste by getting into disagreements or arguments or comparing or looking towards the past. She had learned every single day to accept the person that God had led her, who put in charge of the company she was working for, 
and be able to accept that God can put who he wants in our companies, in our families, in leadership in every situation. It is our responsibility to be honest, to let go of what we need to let go of, and to embrace today, and then to hear what God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Actually, he says, be very courageous. Joshua is basically told to keep going. Just keep moving forward. And sometimes that's what we need to understand in the midst of change. It's not that we need to manage it. It's not that we need to manipulate it. It's not even that we need to understand it. We just need to keep going. And so two things are said to Joshua here. One is to be strong. The word for strength in the Hebrew language is the same word that is used for growth. So I want us to think about this for a moment. To be strong is to grow. Now, at Lawn Chair Church, I was standing there beside these big oak trees, and I turned to everybody and I said, you know, these trees are strong because they grew. Back when they were little saplings, you could just push them over and break them off. The strength comes from growth. Then I said, we also have a puppy. Well, she was a puppy. She's seven months old now. She's a little boxer, and I was looking at pictures of her this week, and when we got her in January, she's just a little 10-pound furball. Now she's a very strong dog that, you know, if I'm not careful, she can pull me as, as I take her out for a walk because she grew. She's strong. She's no longer just a frail little puppy that we can just pick up and move around. Well, the same thing is true in our life. God calls us to grow. That's what strength is. If you have trouble with change in your life, are you growing in your life? If you struggle with things that God is asking you to do today, you can't change the stuff that's out there, but we can work on our spiritual growth. Are, am I reading the scripture? Am I finding a group to get committed, committed to where I share honestly with others and they share with me and I learn my faith and grow in my faith? Am I growing in my prayerfulness and giving things to God? Am I learning to forgive and, and to practice the forgiveness muscles? Because as I grow and as you grow spiritually, we get strong and our strength allows us to face the difficulties and the changes that come our place. So how does God tell Joshua to face the changes? To grow, to be strong, to realize that the children of Israel and every single one of us are to grow spiritually in our relationship with God. And then he says to have courage. Now, unlike strength, courage just basically means to persevere. It means to put one foot in front of the other. The idea of having courage is to keep going, which is why, listen to how he says it, be strong and courageous, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Don't just keep going, really keep going. When you're going and you're facing something and it gets difficult, really keep going. A good friend of mine is a family therapist, and I've had quite a few conversations with him about counseling and growth and how people grow in their lives. And I've asked him two questions. One is, what's the difference between people who make it and people who don't? And he says, only one thing. One group works and one group doesn't. He said, if people are willing to do the work, they can learn to face anything and be strong and get through anything. And he said, it's not the problems that are the issues. It's the people who are the issues. That if we keep going, we'll get through anything. But the other thing he's taught me is he said, when people get to that place where all of a sudden they feel better, like everything's okay, 
that's when they need to keep going and keep working on the very things that got them there because a lot of times that's when people want to give up and move on and then they regress back and things are worse than they were originally. It's the same wisdom that God is giving to Joshua. When God brings change in our life and we need to keep going, we need to keep going. When we start doing something that's working in our life, we need to keep doing it. When life gets tough, we need to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then when it really gets tough, we really need to just keep going. It's not some magic thing out there that God has for us to adapt to change whereby all of a sudden we become different than everybody else. It's so we start putting into practice what God has us to do by letting go, embracing the day, growing in our faith, and just keep going. And folks, we can get through anything. And that's what we're going to see as we study through the book of Joshua. These people get through amazing things. And you know what? They mess it up. And then they do better. And then they think they have it all conquered. And then they mess it up again. And then they need to go back and do it again. It sort of reminds me of a time in our life. And I like to say that I shouldn't tell stories about my kids because they always say that, you know, pastors tell too many stories about their children. Except I always feel that David is fair game for me because he also preaches, so he gets to tell stories about me. And David was a little kid, and he had surgery. He was like two, two and a half years old. And the day after his surgery, he bounced out of bed, came running into our bedroom, and said these words, My all better now, Mommy. And you know what I realized? Little kids can bounce back from surgery pretty quickly. The rest of us would not have gotten over it that fast. But the problem is, we often think we do. A lot of times when I hear people just give up, I think to myself, am I all better now, Mommy? I don't want to keep doing the work. I don't want to keep moving forward. God tells Joshua, grow and keep going. And grow and keep going. And that's what we're going to be looking at this summer. We're going to be looking as we have gone through a time of wilderness, as we have times when we wish maybe things were back the way they were, they're not going to be. Life changes and life moves on. But just as Joshua and the children of Israel were able to embrace what God had for them that day, so too we will discover that God's word guides us on how we can face the challenges, the opportunities, the blessings, and the losses that we have in our lives. I invite you this summer to get to know the book of Joshua. It's a wonderful opportunity to get to know God better in his will for how he would have us face the changes in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Joshua who had to take over at a time when it must have been pretty scary to follow the most popular leader that these people had had. Someone who had done something amazing and led people out of slavery and brought them to a new place and now wasn't there anymore. Now Joshua is given the opportunity to help people come to terms with the fact that life has changed and things are different, but that means that you gave them opportunities. You do the same for us. Help us to see that in our lives. We thank you for the families of this church, for the fathers who've made a difference in our lives, and for the opportunities that we have today to serve you. We pray your blessing, and we pray your guidance in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray.